Well, hello, hello. It's July 11th. I'm Ezra Levant, and you're watching Battleground. I won't lie, I'm excited. I have a new phone ringtone. I know I've got other more serious things to talk about, but uh, one of our viewers said, why don't you get a Tommy Robinson ringtone? And can I play my new ringtone for you? And you know what? you can get it from our website too. Listen to my Tommy ringtone. Are you ready? Tell me if you can hear this. I'm gonna make it nice and loud. Here's my new ringtone. Can you hear that? That's my ringtone. It's the Tommy song. And you can get it for free at TommyRingtone.com. Just get it for free. And we got some instructions there. I, you know what? I, I think we need better instructions because it's sort of tricky to put a free ringtone on your phone. It's amazing how iTunes or sorry, Apple and Android really try to push you to buy a paid ringtone from their store. So you gotta, it took me about five minutes to do it. I had to put it on my uh, iTunes and then I had to import it to my phone. So it was, you know, I was a little bit challenged. But if I could do it and I'm like almost 80, I think the youngins can do it. And uh, you can get your free Tommy Ringtone at TommyRingtone.com. Where else are you going to get it? Where else would you look for your Tommy Robinson Ringtone? Can you put that image up right one more time? One more time there, the website. TommyRingtone.com. Just give us your email address. We'll put you on our Tommy list. It's free, free, free. We'll keep you posted on Tommy. I've had some conversations in the last few days with Tommy's lawyers and Tommy's family. And uh, things are moving, things are moving. As you know, the appeal is coming up. We'll have some more news on that, perhaps as soon as uh, this week. And I'm starting to feel a tiny bit optimistic about things. Um, and so that ringtone just puts me in, in good spirits and I, and I hope you'll, uh, you'll get it too. Why not? It's hilarious. It's, you know, and, and some people will say, who's that? What's that? And then you can, it's a conversation starter. Yesterday we went on at some length, and by we I mean me, went on at some length about the Grope Shirt. Can we put that up again? Gropeshirt.com. Yeah, we got about 600 little websites here at The Rebel, in case you didn't know. The Rebel is one of them, but we got Gropeshirt.com. And that's not for free, that's 25 bucks. But you get this quality shirt grope instead of hope and we sold out yesterday and we sort of rejigged it and I think we moved the, the shipping prices down because they were a little bit high. We had miscalculated the weight of the shirt and that automatically meant shipping was expensive. So I tell you, I tell you, you can represent out there. You can have your colors. You know, you got the Bloods and Crips, you got all that business, you got, you know, everyone's into this uh, soccer game or as the Europeans call it, football. Uh, but folks like you and me, we can show our pride and our clan with our Tommy ringtone, that's free, or our grope shirt. And there you have it. Uh, so what are we doing? Well, every day at 12 noon Eastern time, I spend an hour kibitzing, showing some videos, chatting, and taking your comments. It's called Super Chat. It's uh, something that YouTube invented. You can chip in five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever, and your comment is put in a bright color and so I see it out of the corner of my eye and I read it. 
and um, it's pinned, it's affixed to the top of that little box there, proportionate to how much you chip in. I saw someone put in 50 bucks the other day. So that was up there for like 20 minutes. And, and uh, the good news is I think we get 70% of that dough. So we help pay the bills. Um, I'm going to read a couple of comments and then I want to show you the news of the day. I tell you, it's that Donald Trump and he is, he's just so blunt. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. A lot of the times that's uncomfortable. But a lot of the times it's like the kid who um, says the emperor has no clothes and everyone knows it's true and everyone was dancing around it for years or decades and here comes Donald Trump and he does something undiplomatic and he just sort of says what everyone was thinking. And he did that today at NATO where he was calling out NATO allies, especially Germany. And in fact, I wanted, I'll, I'll read the comments later. I'll come back to comments, I promise you that. I love the comments, I was having lots of fun with the comments. Uh, but I just gotta show you Trump meeting with the NATO Secretary General. Let me just give you a little bit of background. So NATO, what's it, I think 29 countries. Um, as Lord Ismay, the first Secretary General said, the whole purpose of NATO was keep uh, the Germans down, the Russians out, and the Americans in. That's sort of clever, isn't it? I think that's exactly what it was for. And so America's in. America's spending almost 4% of its GDP on military. And America doesn't expect the rest of the world to spend that much, but it expects the world to, uh, the, the other NATO countries to spend 2% of their GDP, which they've all agreed to. This is not America making a demand. This is NATO having agreed to this for many years now, and I think only one other NATO country meets the 2% threshold, and that's uh, the United Kingdom. And Canada, I should tell you, is actually regressing. Right now we pay about 1.3% of our GDP to the military, and next year, or this year under Trudeau, that's expected to fall to 1.2, so we're actually moving backwards. Um, so the Secretary General of NATO is a Norwegian, his name is Jan Stoltenberg, if I recall. And what's his job? His job is to make NATO strong. So he actually is bloody grateful that the American president is making a fuss. That helps him. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a Labour Party Norwegian, so he's probably pretty liberal. But he's got this job. And I watched the entire eight-minute clip that the White House posted, and this Jan Stoltenberg, he was thrilled with Trump, by the way. It was only the liberal alt-left media that were shocked, shocked. So without further ado, I think we got about, was it, about two minutes and 20 seconds? Is that right, Alex? I want to play for you the whole clip. Now, there's a chance I might stop it if I get too excited, but my goal is to run this whole clip through. and. It goes on longer. Like I said, the whole clip's over eight minutes. And the part where Trump is scolding Germany, I think it's like three and a half minutes. And I, we're not going to show it all because it's too long. But you see, okay, seated next to him is the UN, sorry, the American ambassador to NATO. And then to her right is Trump's chief of staff, General Kelly. And to Trump's left is Secretary Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State. So you've got the top dogs here. You got Trump, you got Trump's ambassador to NATO, I forget his, her name off the top of my head. You got Chief of Staff, former general, 
and you got Pompeo. And Kelly and Pompeo, and Pompeo, he was at West Point, so he's, like, these are military men. And, and Mattis was, was there, also he wasn't sitting next to them. They start squirming because Trump is so tough. Trump doesn't just raise it once. He raises it once, and then again, and then again, and then again, and you can see General Kelly just sort of, sort of shifting in his seat a little bit, and you see Mike Pompeo, and these are not gentle men. I mean, they're gentlemen, but they're not, they're not dainty men. <laughs> these guys, I mean, I don't know how else you sell it. They kill people. Uh, the, the General Kelly, uh, I think he's a former Marine, and um, these are tough guys, and they were squirming because Trump was so relentless. So without further ado, here, take a look at Donald Trump at the NATO meeting today. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. So we're supposed to protect you against Russia, but they're paying billions of dollars to Russia, and I think that's very inappropriate. And the former chancellor of Germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas. Uh, it's ultimately, Germany will have almost 70% of their country controlled by Russia with natural gas. So you tell me, is that appropriate? I mean, we're, I've been complaining about this from the time I got in. It should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they were getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. On top of that, Germany is just paying a little bit over 1 percent, whereas the United States, in actual numbers, is paying 4.2 percent of a much larger GDP. So I think that's inappropriate also. You know, we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting everybody, and yet we're paying a lot of money to protect. Now, this has been going on for decades. This has been brought up by other presidents, but other presidents never did anything about it because I don't think they understood it or they just didn't want to get involved. But I have to bring it up because I think it's very unfair to our country, it's very unfair to our taxpayers. And I think that these countries have to step it up, not over a 10-year period, they have to step it up immediately. Germany is a rich country. They talk about they're going to increase it a tiny bit by 2030. Well, they could increase it immediately tomorrow and have no problem. I don't think it's fair to the United States. So we're going to have to do something because we're not going to put up with it. We can't put up with it. And it's inappropriate. That, that, felt, like, that felt like it went on for a long time, didn't it? Oh, it went on longer, people. It went on longer. And, and by the way, that Jan Stoltenberg, he spoke back and he said, thanks to your leadership, things are coming along. Like, he was not uh, the target. Uh, he was the medium for this criticism to flow to the other, what is it, 28 NATO members. He was not the uh, intended target. He's actually trying to do what Trump's trying to do. The media freaked out. You got to watch my 8 p.m. show because I, I take about 20 minutes to go through this. 
there's this moment where that Jan Stoltenberg, the head of NATO, Secretary General, he says, President, it's coming along. We're really ramping up more spending than in a generation. And Trump says, and why is that? And Stoltenberg says, well, it's because you're pressing everyone. You're taking the initiative. And then Trump turns to the cameras and you say, I bet the media won't report that. And it's come true. The media is not reporting that the growth in spending whatever there is, is, according to NATO Secretary General, a result of Trump's leadership. Amazing. And look, it's it's similar to the argument Trump makes to Canada about tariffs and NAFTA. Trump says, you've got all these unfair quotas on dairy. You've got unfair stuff here and there. You bring in cheap Chinese steel. Stop it. And and what's Canada going to say? No, we don't have a dairy cartel. We all know we do. No, we're not bringing in Chinese steel and dumping it in the States. We, we do. So you can, you can like or dislike what Trump is saying, but can you deny it's accurate? Um, Trump goes on at great length about how Germany is paying Russia for natural gas. That is very true, and that's something Ronald Reagan warned against. In the Cold War, Reagan said, don't buy your natural gas from Russia. Uh, they'll hold you hostage to it, and Germany loves it. And some of those Baltic countries, they literally get 100% of their energy from Russia. How are you going to have an independent foreign policy, national policy, any policy, if you're 100% dependent on Russia for your energy? I don't know if you recall, but uh, at least on three occasions that I know of, Russia simply turned off the natural gas pipes to Ukraine. Just turn it off in the dead of winter. Just cut it off. That's what happens when you're buying gas from an authoritarian regime dedicated to enforcing its will in the West. Why would you buy your gas from your enemy? As I think it was Solzhenitsyn himself said, capitalists, they'll sell uh, the rope that they will be hanged by. Uh, Crazy. Um, So I was excited to see that. And and my point on, on the trade is it is a fact that Canada buys 1 million, sorry, Canada sells 1 million more cars to the United States than we buy from them. So if Canada does not want to ameliorate the problems Trump is alluding to, Trump will just slap a 20% tariff on Canadian cars and destroy the industry. I mean, you can like that or dislike it, but can you say that Trump is wrong when he points out our dairy cartel and he points out we sell a million more cars to America than they sell to us? And can you say, you can dislike what Trump is saying about the shirkers in NATO, of which Canada is one of the worst. You can dislike that. And by the way, this year we won't even be in the top 10 countries ranked by GDP. America's not looking for Canada to spend an absolute amount as big as America. It's looking for a relative amount to the GDP. So tiny Luxembourg doesn't have to spend billions, but can they please spend 2%? No, they're they're one of the worst, actually. Um, So yeah, Trump is saying, hey, Germany, uh, we're actually here to protect you. And our military bases in Germany pour billions of dollars a year into your economy. And uh, you are anti-American. Alex, did you get that uh, website I sent you about broomsticks? Can you throw it up there? Look at this story. This, is, this story keeps getting repeated. Germany's army is so under-equipped that it used broomsticks instead of machine guns. I think that's from the Washington Post. Is that right, Alex? It's the Washington Post, I think. 
You can Google it. That story is everywhere. The Germany, German army has faced a shortage of equipment for years. But the situation has recently become so precarious that some soldiers took matters into their own hands. On Tuesday, German broadcaster ARD revealed that German soldiers tried to hide the lack of arms by replacing heavy machine guns with broomsticks during a NATO exercise last year. After painting the wooden sticks black, the German soldiers swiftly attached them to the top of armored vehicles, according to Confidential Army Report, which was leaked to ARD. A defense ministry spokesperson, because uh, they're gender sensitive over there, so they're not spokesmen, said the youth says broomsticks was not a common practice. Hey man, we don't do it all the time, man. And the decision of the involved soldiers was hard to comprehend. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually not hard to comprehend. When you got nothing, a black broomstick at lo least looks like something. Now just, you know, hey guys, uh, it's one thing when you use a broomstick in a uh, training exercise to fool that was actually, I think, from a couple years back, so that was to fool Obama. But uh, can you please not do that if you actually get into a shooting war uh, with, God forbid, Vladimir Putin or anyone else, really? Um, we're no better here in Canada. Alex, can you call up any website about uh, Trudeau demanding soldiers return extra sleeping bags? Just any website will do. So in Germany, they're using broomsticks painted black to pretend they have machine guns and they make pew 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 sounds probably they make explosion sounds I'm adding that part but I guess if you have a broomstick you have to add rat-a-tat sounds and explosion sounds here look at this look at this this is from CTV News Canada's largest private broadcaster soldiers ordered to return sleeping bags or rucksacks due to shortfall of equipment. The Canadian Armed Forces has ordered its members to return rucksacks and sleeping bag kits so they can be redistributed because of a shortfall of equipment. CTV News has learned. Um, and, and by the way, some of these sleeping bags were issued more than a decade ago. Now they say that they need them for other soldiers. I actually believe they're being given to migrants. Um, that's my own theory. I, uh, I don't know the answer. Uh, my point is, did you see my point? So America's spending almost 4% of its GDP on the military, and it, just, and it doesn't generally gripe about it. And I don't even think Trump's griping about the 4%. I don't think he is, is he? And he's not even saying, hey, Germany, Canada, Luxembourg, the chocolate-making countries, Netherlands, you know, Belgium kind of thing. He's not even saying... Spend what we spend. He's not even saying, I want you to spend more than you agreed. He's saying, um, can you please keep your promise that you've been making to American president after American president and at least move towards 2%, at least pretend? Like that broomstick thing, it's sort of funny and all, but it, that, that's not real. So um, Trump is not being unreasonable if you think NATO is not unreasonable. Uh, because this is a NATO agreement, 2%. It's not Trump making something up. It's what these countries promised. I'm not going to go too much longer on this today, but on my show at 8 p.m. tonight, I have Justin Trudeau doing one of his bobblehead speak to cameras where he said, uh, we're going to really increase our operations in Iraq and build capacity. I'll show you the clip tonight. Um, 
actually uh, Trudeau withdrew our six, six, six CF-18 fighter jets from the Iraq war just before they finished off ISIS. So um, the heavy lifting was done by America and the UK and some Kurdish Peshmerga and some Iraqi government forces. Uh, Canada wasn't there, but now Trudeau's ready to, ready to capacity build. I don't know what that means either. Uh, I'm pretty sure Trudeau doesn't either. It's not shooting though. So maybe they could borrow some German broomsticks or something. Um, you know, I wrote a book a few years ago called Ethical Oil, The Case for Canada's Oil Sands. And then I wrote another book called Groundswell, The Case for Fracking. And they don't have oil sands in Germany that I know of, um, but they have natural gas in shale. Shale is a kind of rock, it's really like clay, and you've probably seen it even if you don't know what it's called. It's got tiny little pores in it. You can, you can break shale, it's not very strong. You can actually burn the rock, like it's sort of oil soaked or gas soaked. I've seen, I've seen you can just actually burn the rocks. It's really dirty because it's like an oily rock and those tiny little pores in it, there's like a micro drop of oil or gas in it. It's called shale. And um, the question was, well, how do you get those tiny little droplets of oil or gas out of the shale? You can't. And what are you going to do? Burn the, the, the rock. It's really gross. And then fracking was this technological breakthrough that you cracked, you fractured. That's where fracking comes. You fracture the tiny little pores um, it would be like an apple. You know, there, you know there's juice in the apple, right? But you can't just stick a, a straw in the apple. You know there's juice in an apple, but it's in tiny little pores, right? So how do you get that out? Well, fracking, that's, that's what shale is. So fracking breaks those tiny little cells, and then, and then the juice comes out. That's my analogy. Um, so, so you could frack in Germany. You could frack in Poland. You could frack in France. And why am I talking about fracking? Because Europe has billions of cubic meters of natural gas in Western Europe. But they've all brought in, or France and Germany at least, have brought in bans on fracking their own gas, including Germany, which has banned it years into the future. And so they buy their Russian gas instead. That's one of the things that Trump was mad about. Not only does Germany shirk, but it's buying its natural gas from Russia. Do we have the, the image of um, uh, Gerhard Schrader? This is what's so weird. I'm going to almost stop talking about this now because I go on at such length tonight at the 8 p.m. show. But Gerhard Schrader, the former chancellor uh, of Germany, actually works for the Russian um, state strategic industry, I think it's Resneft, uh, which, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an energy company. Do we have that image, Alex? Uh, it, it would be like the head of, um, it would be like, I don't know, if Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton went to work for Iran in their retirement. Why are you doing that? Looks like we don't have the image, that's fine. Let's uh, move on to the next subject. Um, first, I'm gonna take some, some more, I, I saw a super chat, so I'm gonna go to that. Uh, I see Moonman chipped in two bucks, thank you. My Russian collusion, Trump is a Russian agent. Yeah, you know, that's what's so funny, is, um, and can I get the uh, Obama Medvedev hot mic? 
Uh, sound on tape, please, Hannah. Um, everyone's saying Trump is such a Russian agent. And there was Trump calling out Angela Merkel for not only not spending enough to defend against Russia, but for buying energy from Russia. So if Germany were to do what Trump said, not only would she cut off, not only would Angela Merkel cut off money to Russia, but they would be energy self-sufficient and uh, they would spend a lot more money on the military. So Trump's in two ways. Trump is, uh, can I, okay, uh, in two ways, Trump is um, anti-Putin, right? He wants a stronger military and he wants Germany to stop buying energy from them. But people say Trump is in collusion. But remember this clip with Barack Obama? This is right before the 2012 re-election. Take a look. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, some of the words were obscured by a little YouTube out at the bottom there. But so that was Obama and Medvedev, who was the, um, like the number two uh, to, to Putin at the time. And that was a hot mic incident, as in both men were mic'd. And you, know, you wear a microphone on your lapel, you forget you wear it. So Obama leans forward to Medvedev and says, tell Vladimir that I'll have more flexibility after I'm elected. So obviously Putin wants something from Obama. And Obama's saying to Medvedev, look, you'll get it, man. You'll get it. Just wait till I'm reelected because I don't want to appear to be soft on Russia now. And Medvedev says, I will transmit information to Vladimir. Can we play that clip just one more time? It's so short and it's so much fun to hear that Russian accent. transmit this information to Vladimir. Who's, who's colluding? Is Angela Merkel and Gerhard Schrader colluding or is Donald Trump colluding? Is Hillary Clinton who arranged and approved the sale of 20% of American uranium to a Russian entity. Was she colluding or is Donald Trump colluding? If you listen to the mainstream media, Donald Trump is colluding. What I saw Donald Trump say in, in Latvia today to the NATO boss was about the most hostile thing uh, a president has said towards Russia, if that's colluding. Um, I don't think Putin wants it. Tom Youngjohn, you claim fracking does not pollute water tables. You're exactly right, Tom. I've studied the matter. I've, I've actually been on frack jobs in Pennsylvania. I've uh, studied fracking on a scientific basis. I have read uh, exhaustive literature from the EPA, the world's largest and most aggressive environmental or, uh, agency. And uh, fracking does not pollute the water table because fracking happens far, 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 far lower than the water table. The water table that we drink our water from is typically 50 to let's say 300 feet deep. Fracking typically happens a mile deep. That's solid rock. And there has never been a recorded case of fracking polluting drinking water. 
You'd think there would be because there have been literally millions of frack jobs completed. In Canada, about 90% of all oil and gas other than the oil sands is fracked. In my home province of Alberta, a quarter million fracks have happened and uh, there's no case of polluted water. That's just um, propaganda. In fact, can we call up the Anders Fogh Rasmussen uh, Russia clip um, that goes to this because I talked about Jens Stoltenberg, the current Norwegian boss of uh, NATO. But a few years back, it was a Dane named Anders Fogh Rasmussen. And he was asked about Russia. And this is before the whole Russia collusion mania. He was asked um, if he had any evidence that Russia was colonizing Western environmental organizations to get them to suppress energy independence in especially Europe. I mean, fracking has taken off in America. There's some states that have boycotted it, but Pennsylvania, Texas, there's, there's a ton of fracking. But it's important that Germany, Poland, France not frack, right? If you're Russia, who are you selling to? You're not gonna, if you're Russia, you're not selling natural gas to America. If you're Russia, you're selling natural gas to Europe. And which would be a more effective opponent of fracking in Europe? Would it be Vladimir Putin standing up and saying, hey guys, don't frack, I want to sell you my gas from Gazprom? Or would it be Greenpeace? Well, here's what Anders Fogh Rasmussen, a former Secretary General of NATO, had to say. Do we have the clip? We still don't have the clip? All right. Uh, we're finding the clip, and uh, we'll have it for you when we find it. I'm going to see if I've missed any more super chats. I don't think I have. Um, oh, I did. Here we go. Red Pilled Borat. According to Politico, a private Israeli intelligence service has kicked George Soros' NGOs out of Hungary and helped keep the anti-immigration president, Viktor Orban, in power. Proud of Israel. Um, I have not seen that story, but I am very interested in that story because um, I focus on George Soros and his nefarious activities quite a bit. You may recall that about a dozen, about, sorry, about six years ago, I was, I was threatened with a lawsuit by George Soros. He actually filed it in uh, notice in Toronto. So I will follow up on that. Thank you, Red Pill Borat. I was unaware of that. Anyway, here's Anders Fograsmussen. We have the tape now. Take a look. As part of their sophisticated uh, in information and disinformation operations, engage actively with so-called non-governmental organizations environmental organizations working against shale gas, obviously, to uh, maintain European dependence uh, on imported Russian gas. That's my interpretation. So uh, it just adds a new aspect to, to this uh, um, information operation. Um, Oh, there you have it, folks. There you have it. So close enough. That's Sanders Fogh Rasmussen saying that in his assessment, the information that he had at his fingertips from the NATO armies is that Vladimir Putin colonized environmental groups in Europe to make them fight against European energy independence. That video was before Trump was president. That was before the current anti-Putin collusion mania. 
These days when I hear people say Russia, 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 I dismiss it 90% of the time because I think shut up already. You know, your whole narrative that Trump was a Putin agent, you've been trying that now for almost two years and, and you have no proof. That doesn't mean that Putin isn't an agent. Uh, it, I mean, he was a former KGB agent. That doesn't mean Putin isn't trying to undermine the West. We know he is. That's part of Russia's MO. And what I'm showing you there in that video from Anders Fogh Rasmussen is that according to the former NATO Secretary General, Putin has infiltrated and co-opted Western environmental groups to attack Western energy. I mean, let me ask you, I mean, there's three countries in the world that are virtually tied for the largest production of oil. In the, there's about 100 million barrels a day of oil produced. That's a lot of oil, isn't it? About 100 million. And there are three countries that produce approximately 10 million barrels each. Can you name them? Saudi Arabia is obviously uh, the biggest, and they have the ability to expand and contract. America is now at the 10 million barrel a day range. And they're just giving her. And fracking is a big reason for that. But Russia is the third. Russia is the third. Um, so why is it that environmental extremist groups, they don't focus on Saudi Arabia ever. They sometimes focus on America, but with only one exception that I can think of, they never focus on Russia. Isn't that odd that all these environmental extremist groups when they're anti-oil, they focus on Canada, shut down the oil sands, Keystone XL pipeline, shut down the oil sands from Canada, that they never quarrel with Russia, other than the one occasion Greenpeace foolishly, I say foolishly because it was actually the only principled thing they ever did. They went after a Russian uh, underwater drilling, uh, Arctic drilling uh, rig. They were all scooped up and thrown in prison. And uh, they were held in prison for a long time until they were finally released, and, and Greenpeace never did that again. So other than that one exception, Greenpeace just doesn't go after Russia, Iran, Iraq, Nigeria, Venezuela, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, Oman, Bahrain, any of those really, really crappy oil countries, Sudan. I think Anders Fogh Rasmussen is right. Um, I think I've caught up on the Super Chats. Am I right? Am I missing any Super Chats? No? Okay, I'm going to read some more... Uh, Oh, a couple more. Let me uh, let me check my email. My friends in the production, uh, uh, very very high tech uh, production area, email me any super chats that I've missed. So I've got to find those super chats right now. Here we go. Um, economic Tom Young John make America great again equals economic nationalism and reality TV. Love it. I think you're right. Um, I, I see today that um, the Atlanta Federal Reserve uh, estimates um, the U.S. GDP growth to be around 4%. That is very high. Just for contrast, in Canada, it's about 2%. Um, jobs, you know, the job market is booming. Unemployment is a record low. Wages are going up. Now, you see stories about companies complaining about a tight labor market, complaining how much they have to pay workers. And if your interests are those of the Facebooks and the Googles and the, I guess, the vegetable picker 
companies. You, yeah, you want really cheap labor. That's why you wanted open borders, because you wanted the illegal immigrants to pick your you know, oranges and to pick your you know, tomatoes for like three bucks an hour. So if you really, if, if that's where your interests lie, if you believe in driving down wages and driving up rents, then you want open borders. <clears throat> but um, that's, that's a very small percentage of the population. And you know what? So let's say you benefit because when you buy, let's say, an, uh, a, a pack of tomatoes, you save a dime, if that. But if you crack down on illegal immigration, if you build the wall, if you make America great again, if you stimulate the economy and wages rise for working people, and if you pull people back into the labor market who were unemployed in a long-term way, not only are you solving a lot of social ills, the best social program is a job. So you're pulling people at the low ends of the demographic and economic ladder back into work. So someone who was on welfare or just bumming around or signed off a of life, now they got a job and maybe they're making 10 bucks an hour US. And maybe that's not a ton of dough, but now they got a reason to get up in the morning. They got a sense of accomplishment. They're part of society. They're being socialized. Job's the best social program there is. And everyone else moves up. And um, yeah, so maybe you're spending 10 cents more on your pack of tomatoes. Big deal. Now you have... Americans employed and I wish we did that in Canada instead we have all these temporary foreign workers programs and we bring in foreign workers to pay them less than we pay Canadians and you know what there's seven billion people in the world and probably about half of them would love to come to Canada and work for pennies um, and yeah maybe that makes your Tim Hortons coffee five cents cheaper because they're hiring foreign workers but how does that help the country and how does that help Canadian workers and by the way I think young people should get a job and I think we have to make getting a job cool again. And yeah, start at the bottom rung of the job. There, there should be no job that you say, oh, that's beneath me. I don't want to work at McDonald's. That's for foreign workers. No, no, no. That's your first job. Um, I'm just looking at some comments here. Let's see what we got here. Ann Bam says, huge march on the 13th and 14th of July. July will be in London, Whitehall, and also in Ireland. Uh, there will be a um, march I'm aware of on July 14th. I think it's at 3 p.m. in Whitehall in London. That's a Tommy Robinson march. Raheem Kassam is organizing it. And uh, I won't be there myself, but I will be attending the appeal because I want to do some journalism from there. Um, Happy Infidel Fox says, I hope Trump crushes the groper. You're referring to our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, I might hope that Trump crushes the groper, but I don't want Trump to crush Canada. And that's the thing, when Trump fires back at Trudeau through auto tariffs, that's going to hurt Canada. It's not actually going to hurt Trudeau at all. He's got his job, he's got his trust fund, he's got his free everything. But that's going to hurt 160,000 auto workers. I see a new super chat. Viking Insane says, what did Viola Desmond achieve to replace Sir John A. Macdonald on our $10 bill? You know, I've, I've seen a little bit of hubbub about that. I have not done my research. Forgive me, I'll get back to it. But I mean, John A. Macdonald, I mean, who's he, right? I mean, all he did was found a country, and he's some dead white male. He's probably racist. Uh, William Wallace says, oh, Tommy, Tommy. Now, I don't know if you saw it, because I don't know if everyone was logged in there. I see there's about 600 people watching now. Did I tell you that we got our, our Tommy ringtones? I know I'm repeating this for folks who were on the, the show 40 minutes ago, but um, can we put that website up again? If you go to TommyRingtone.com, we got a free 
Tommy Robinson ringtone. And um, no one's calling me right now, and that's fine. I don't feel lonely. But let me play for you what it sounds like. I'm going to hold this right next to my uh, microphone. This is my new ringtone. How awesome is this? Let me play it. Can you hear that? That's my phone. That's my ringtone. How awesome is that? I downloaded that from TommyRingtone.com and I figured out all by myself how to make that my ringtone. It's, I, I'm joking a little bit because iPhone and I think Android's probably the same, make it a little bit tricky for you to upload your own songs because they really want to force you to buy a ringtone. Our Tommy ringtone is free. Just go to our site, log in with your email, get it for free. And what do we do with your email? We'll send you Tommy updates. Um, I think I've got uh, a new chat. Uh, oh, I read it already. It was about Viola Desmond. Okay, uh, let's catch up here. It's um, 12.40. I, I want to talk about um, a Trump video that I meant to show you yesterday, but we didn't. And this goes to the bluntness of Donald Trump. Um, he just says things. In, I mean, I showed you a, three, a two or three minute clip of him in Germany saying about 20 years worth of negotiated diplomacy in two minutes. I meant to get to this yesterday, but I didn't have time. It's Trump, I think he was standing in front of the helicopters. I think this was right before he was about to fly to Europe. He was talking about simple rules for immigrating to America. Very simple rules. Do we have that video from yesterday, fellas? Uh, let's play it, here we go. Tell people not to come to our country illegally. That's the solution. Don't come to our country illegally. Come like other people do. Come legally. I'm saying this very simply. We have laws, we have borders. Don't come to our country illegally. How are you going to, uh, sir, I mean, you can like that or you can dislike that. And you can like Trump and you can dislike him. I obviously like him. But how are you going to disagree with that? Don't come to this country illegally. How could you even possibly take the other point of view? Come illegally. If you want to change America's immigration laws, then change the laws. But the laws are the laws, and the police, in this case the immigration police, the border patrol, their job is to enforce the laws, and the, the role of courts is to interpret the laws. Um, if you don't like the laws, change the laws, but those are the laws. And whatever your laws are, unless you literally have no border at all and no cops at all and no laws at all, whatever law you have, even if you have a very liberal law, <clears throat> you are going to have a law, which means you need some way to enforce law. You will need some police and you will need some court to enforce whatever law you have. So by definition, even you, if you are a left-wing <clears throat> bleeding heart globalist, even a left-wing bleeding heart globalist believes in some laws, some rules, some judiciary. Trump is saying something so obvious, but when was the last time you heard anyone say that? When was the last time you heard Justin Trudeau say that? When was the last time our friends in the UK or Germany heard Theresa May or Angela Merkel say that? You know, I was reminded of something today. I, w I saw David Vance in the UK. He's, got a, he's working hard out there. Uh, David Vance tweeted a picture. I don't know if we could find that. Uh, can you find David Vance on Twitter? He tweeted a picture of Angela Merkel when she was, I think, with the young communists or something in East Germany as a girl. Um, 
here's the weird thing about that. Angela Merkel was born in West Germany in the 50s. So that was free, right? I mean, remember after World War II, the Red Army came in from the East, the Allies came in from the West, and, and then they sort of split Berlin. They divided up Berlin, but it was like an island. Look at this uh, from David Vance. Can you see that? Angela Merkel responds to Trump. I've experienced myself a part of Germany controlled by the Soviet Union. Yes, she sure did. Here she is in full communist attire. That is Angela Merkel As in Eastern Europe. What was she, in, in Eastern Germany, excuse me, which was uh, the DDR, the Deutsche Demokratische Republik. Uh, the, 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 that's, of course, it was, it was not democratic and it was not a republic. It was a Soviet vassal state. It was a colony of the Soviet Union. Uh, it was run by the Stasi. It was an awful place, really reminiscent in some ways of the Nazism that it, su that it succeeded. Why was Angela Merkel in East Germany? Was she kidnapped? Why did she go to East Germany? She was born, I think, in Hamburg. She was born in West Germany. Did you know that her dad moved the family from free West Germany into Soviet-dominated East Germany? He did that by choice. You know, during the Cold War, which is a bloody long time, I think you could probably count on two hands worth of fingers the number of Americans or Westerners who said, I want to go and live under Soviet domination. Like it was so weird and so irregular. I mean, I don't know, maybe it happened a little more often in Germany because there was the same families and ethnicities just on both sides of an artificial border. I don't know. I mean, I suppose there would be some South Koreans who said, I want to live in the North. I mean, there's no accounting for craziness. And again, there might be family reasons. But Angela Merkel's dad said, we're going to move to the East. That is one screwed up gal. Uh, I see a $5 super chat from Rare Groups. It says, Ezra, please sing Tommy Tommy song. You have such a big, beautiful voice. Uh, you know what? That's what our British friends would call taking the piss. Uh, I think you're making fun of me. Um, but I don't care. I sang a song in Russian earlier. Um, because we were talking about Russia things. And uh, it's not even a song, it's a chant. And the thing about those soccer chants, or as they say, football chants, is that they're designed to be sung by people like me with no singing skill. Like, they're not beautiful songs. Like, all the different, like, did, can you call up, Alex, can you get the chant that the British and the um, Swedish teams, you know, the, the Brits were saying, uh, you're, you're shit, but your birds are fit, and the, the Swedes were saying, go home to your ugly wives. Can you get that? Sorry for all the swears, but that's football lingo. Um, I want to show you some of the chants. You know what I'm talking about, Alex? Come on, people. You got to stay up, you got to stay on top of the memes. Um, the World Cup, it's a soccer thing. It's a soccer thing, which they call football. And they all... <laughs> Did you hear that? 
they were saying your S-H-I-T, but your birds, that's the way, bird is what they call, uh, we would call that a chick. So they're saying you're terrible at, at soccer, but, you're, but your girlfriends are beautiful, which is, is actually a, a, a pretty complimentary thing as soccer chants go. I mean, they can be pretty brutal. So they're saying you guys are terrible at soccer, but we'll grant you that your women are pretty. But the Swedes, they had a chant in reply. Can you find that one, Alex? I'll just, I'll, I'll take you out of suspense. They say, go home to your ugly wives. That's the Swedish chant. But at least they were saying it in English, which I appreciate. Um, I don't know why, oh yeah, let's play, let's play the Swedish one, just because it's bad. That's tough stuff. I think that's to the tune of Go West. You know that song, Go West, Sun in Winter Time. I think it's a go home to your ugly wives. Go home to your ugly wives. That's tough. That is tough stuff. That's, that's sort of mean. But that's how soccer chants are, as they say, football chants. Um, but they were singing it in English, which I guess you, you have to do if you're trying to insult Englishmen you should probably be speaking English. If they were to say that in Swedish, no one would understand them. Uh, the Brits were singing in English too. But I, again, I say, I mean, to call someone S-H-I-T, I'm sorry I was swearing so much, I got some negative feedback for that the other day. You're S-H-I-T, but your birds are fit. That's a compliment. I think that's a compliment. I don't understand football culture and I don't, uh, I don't particularly think I'm ever going to, because that's like, it takes like 30 years to understand that. Uh, Rare Groove says, you're a rather decent bloke, Ezra, get yourself a beer on me. Well, thanks very much, and thank you for the five pounds. I uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, even beer culture, it's a little bit different. One of the things that uh, I really enjoyed uh, about my visits with Tommy is pub culture in the UK. It's a family place. There's kids there in strollers and, and like high chairs. They're obviously not drinking. It's just the whole family goes to the pub. And it's no big deal and no one's freaking out and no one's IDing or carding the little ones and everyone's responsible enough. And it's sort of fun. And you know, the whole concept of the gastro pub, like a pub that serves great food, it's a real thing in the UK. We don't really have a lot of that in Canada, I don't think. There's a lot of, um, fake British pubs, or real British pubs in Canada. You know, the Fox and this, the Elephant and Castle, whatever, they got all their traditional names. And they're good enough, but they're, they're always a little dark and dingy, and yeah, you can get your meat pies and whatnot, um, but there's no kids in them. I mean, maybe I don't go off enough, maybe there are some kidsy gastro pubs out there, but the fun, I think it makes it more fun in the UK, where you got all the generations. Like, it's really a town meeting spot. Like, I mean, my take on Canadian bars is just typically where young single people go, right? Um, or people after work or whatever. But it's not like, let's go to the pub for four hours as a family, and grandpa's there, and, and the middle, and the boomers are there, 
and the youngsters are there, and you even have kids there, and it's like a, it's almost like a town square meeting thing. That's a different feeling. Maybe you have to be my age to think that's fun, that all the generations are there in the same place, and they're hanging out for hours, and maybe you got the game on. But that's, anyhow, that, Tommy sort of introduced me to that. I'm, to, I'm Tommy-centric, and I think it's because we got that new TommyRingtone.com, which is pretty awesome. And uh, I've been kibitzing a bit with the family because, uh, you know, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I don't think they'd mind me saying that they have a little bit of optimism about how things are going to go with the appeal. And I do too. Um, and hopefully that will become apparent in the days ahead. Uh, and we, we've got to stay optimistic too, don't you think? Um, all right, let's just check the time. It's 12.52. I did, you can see I avoided singing the Tommy. But why don't I sing it? Will you join me? Let's play one more time. And then I just, I, for some reason I'm feeling uh, self-conscious. I didn't feel self-conscious when I sang, uh, you know, go home to your ugly wives for some reason that I didn't feel self-conscious about that. Um, I'm just getting my ringtone here. I just want to play it one more time to get, just to get it back in my mind. Um, here we go. Oh, Tommy, 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 Tommy Robinson. I don't think you want to even be too melodic. Like, you don't want to sing that perfectly. You don't want to sing that like you're a pop singer. You don't want to, like, really bell or an opera singer, because it's not meant for that. It's a chant, not a song. It's a chant made for people who don't know how to sing and maybe are slightly inebriated and maybe, just maybe, can't hold a tune or sing on key. Plus, it's really easy to remember the words, am I right? Um, I want to uh, tackle one more video. Canada has an immigration minister who came to Canada as a refugee. His name is Ahmed Hassan, as you can probably guess from the name. He is a Muslim man himself who came from uh, Somalia, if I'm not mistaken. And he has thrown open the borders. Can you Google Ahmed Hassan and Alex Soros? There's a picture of the two of them meeting. George Soros is in his 80s. He probably, I mean, he's, I don't know how many heart transplants he's had or blood transplants. When you're worth 10, 20 billion dollars, you can, stay alive, who knows, maybe to a hundred, one of the Rockefellers did. When you've got that much money and you say, I'm going to live every second I can, you can stretch your life longer. Um, but let's take a look at uh, his son, Alex Soros, who's clearly going to take over the family politics. There is Alex Soros in New York City with Ahmed Hassan. Uh, let me read it. This is Alex Soros' uh, Instagram page. Honored to introduce the inspirational Ahmed Hassan, Canada's Minister of Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship, at this year's Concordia Summit. I'm just going to squint my eyes to read that a little bit. Uh, focusing on migrants and refugees, this incredible man was himself a stateless refugee who fled from Somalia and immigrated to Canada, where he fights tirelessly for migrants, refugees, and stateless people, 
not just in Canada, but around the world. Thank you, Minister Hassan, for being such a role model in these troubled times. Yeah, I'll say he fights. Now, who does he fight? Well, he fights against Canadians. Um, according to the Liberal Party's own, that's Alex Soros there, that's George Soros' son. So when George Soros kicks the bucket, Alex is going to be around for at least 50 more years. Um, so who does Ahmed Hassan fight? Alex Soros says he fights, and indeed he does. According to the Liberal government's own polls, only 8% of Canadians want more immigration. And that poll was before the open borders with America thing, that number's surely fallen. So he's basically fighting against 92% of Canadians. Uh, absolutely. Um, Ontario has a new premier named Doug Ford who doesn't like the fact that he's stuck with the tab for all these unemployable, unskilled, culturally unfit migrants who are bogus to begin with. And so he called them illegal immigrants, which of course they are. Here's Ahmed Hassan raging against that. Take a look. Now, we, we have to work together to have an orderly uh, system where uh, asylum seekers are uh, redirected to temporary housing sites while they wait for their hearings. Uh, if Ontario chooses not to be part of the process, it means that we will not have an orderly system in place. And so, I'm, and I'm also perplexed by the notion that Ontario is saying, you know, we, we need you to help us, we need you to help Toronto, we need you to give us money, but we won't be par a partner in, in, in that effort. That doesn't make sense to me. And I'm very concerned by, uh, by uh, Premier Ford and uh, Minister McLeod um, really making um, statements that are, uh, that, that are difficult to, uh, to understand when it comes to how they're describing asylum seekers. These are people who um, we have a legal obligation to give a fair hearing to. And, and so we're applying Canadian law, we're applying international law, and that requires all levels of government to work together. You know what, I was just Googling something there. I'm gonna email it to uh, our producer, Alex and Hannah, for them to put up on the screen, because I don't know if they'll find it quick enough on their own. Um, Ahmed Hassan and Alex Soros are not just Instagram buddies. Like anyone can take a selfie, right? Um, I actually have a picture of myself with Justin Trudeau running my hair through his fingers. I gotta dig it up somewhere, I should post that again, it's hilarious. Uh, anyone can get a photo with anyone. But, but take a look at this. This is, as you can see, from the Government of Canada. This is from the Government of Canada website. I'm gonna read this to you. Canada, United Nations H. CR High Council of High Commission of Refugees and the Open Society Foundations, that's George Soros's foundation, seek to increase refugee resettlement through private sponsorship. That's the headline, but that's not actually what this is about. This is a contract, let me read a little bit, New York. The Government of Canada, the UN High Commissioner for Refugees and the Open Society Foundations, da 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 da, and then you see the three points there. These are the three points, so this is a contract between the government of Canada and Soros' society. So Canada has a contract outsourcing immigration policy to George Soros in the United States. That's weird. But look at point three. Can you see it? One of the three things the Soros Foundation is being paid to do by Canada is provide a vehicle that mobilizes citizens in direct support of refugees and encourages a broader political debate 
that is supportive of refugee protection. You can take it down now. And I know we're almost out of time, but my point is that's not immigration policy. Immigration policy is how many immigrants, how many refugees, how you handle them. Point three there is a propaganda policy. Shape the debate, encourage, propagandize. Alex Soros and George Soros have a contract with the government of Canada, I just showed you the web page, you can find it yourself, to promote their globalist, open borders, Muslim-centric migration agenda and the government of Canada signed it on a dotted line, put out a press release. And have you even heard about that in the mainstream media? It's on the government of Canada's website. Well, of course not, because the mainstream media supports it and knows that if they talked about it, well, you wouldn't. My friends, it's 1 o'clock. We're out of time. That's it for today's show. You should tune in tonight at 8 p.m. because I really go deep on this NATO thing. I play a lot more of that Trump clip, and I show some Canadian clips in response. It'll make you mad. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, goodbye. Keep fighting for freedom.